The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. And here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this midweek podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual. And yes, I am doing that again today, here as always with white boy Malcolm X. If you want to get hold of me, you can do that a couple different ways. My email is miller at millerfrostonline.com, and my parlor handle is at millerfrost. Today's show, folks... I keep saying it's a short show, and it always winds up being like at least an hour, right? I curse myself every single time, but I think this time we are actually going to do under an hour, theoretically, hopefully, possibly, because I limited myself to about, I think, 13 total stories. I got about seven in the news quick hits and six, only six, uh, yes, White by Malcolm X, don't worry about it, gay at the front, smoking gun at the back. (laughs) Florida smoking gun at the back, and thank you, sweet baby Jesus, for giving me those stories. Because, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though that that story at the end, that smoking gun story, I am definitely going to have to do a uh, trigger warning on that. It is a uh, well, you'll see when we get there, folks. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, okay? And before we jump into our news, quick hits, two quick things. White boy Malcolm X, did you know that this episode is our fiftieth episode? It is. Yes, we have uh, We have actually, well, technically, it is our 49th recorded episode. We did have folks back around the holiday season when Mama Frost was up and I couldn't do a show on Wednesday. I did do a kind of a, a compilation episode of, I think it was the first couple months, I think it was August through November, I did like one to two stories out of each episode. And uh, we put that together and we played that, I think it was on Christmas Eve. But other than that, 49, this is our 49th recorded episode, and Sunday will be our 51st podcast, but our 50th recorded show. So I might actually have to have a beer (laughs) while we're doing that, but just one. I usually drink after the show is done, (laughs) have a beer, but I think for this one, we can probably sneak in a beer during our 50th podcast on Sunday. And one last thing before we jump into our news quick hits, happy birthday, Captain Kirk. And no, I am not talking about Chris, but I don't know which of the Chris's. The, the hipster Star Trek Captain Kirk. Chris Pine. Okay, Chris No, I'm not talking about Chris Pine. William Shatner, folks, if you did not know, he turned 90 years old on Monday, two days ago. Can you believe that, white boy Malcolm X? You don't care. You're not the Trekkie I am, so. Folks, I grew up on that. I just, I still, I didn't watch a lot of the original series uh, episodes, the TV episodes, but I loved the movies when they first came out. That was in like the... Uh, Late 70s, I think 79 was when uh, the Star Trek movie came out, and then all through the 80s, and uh, some of that just classic to me. It just is uh, some of those watching those. I've watched a couple of them over the uh, COVID period when I'm just stuck at home, and I'm like, what am I going to watch? I just, I'll watch an old Star Trek movie. So, <laughs> Wrath of Khan, of course, is a classic. 
And that scene in Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock, when they stole the Enterprise, they stole that ship right out of space dock to go get, to go get him, to go get that body back. I'll tell you what, that was, a, that was classic as well. And then The Undiscovered Country was the sixth and last one. And that was a was pretty good as well. They did a really good job with those movies. And uh, not to say the TNG movies weren't good. They were. They were. Uh, it's a shame they uh, kind of dropped off after a while there. But uh, yeah, Star Trek is kind of in a, I don't know. I hate to use the word tailspin, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> it ain't what it used to be. But then again, I am an old queen. I am 51 years old. So I'm one of those now. <laughs> I'm not even in my 60s or 70s. And I'm like, I remember the good old days. Oh, yes, I do remember the good old days of Star Trek and Star Wars. I did like Star Wars back in the day, but uh, who knows what they're doing with that. We're not watching The Mandalorian after they fired Gina Carano. Done. You folks, you're done. We're divorced. Okay, enough about Star Trek and Star Wars. The last thing I want to do is attract the attention of the fanboys out there. They'll start sending me emails. Star Trek is better than Star Wars. And I'll get another one. Star Wars is better than Star Trek. So... (laughs) That's the last thing I need is a bunch of uh, virgin pajama boys in their mother's basement start emailing me about their uh, their sci-fi fetishes. We're not even going to talk about that. No more. I'm not talking about that anymore. So on to the news quick hits and the first one out of the box whew, from the Daily Mail. The Queen plans diversity drive. Royals will boost existing programs as Harry and Meghan's accusations of racism are blamed for unproductive peace talks with William and Charles. And folks, other than mentioning very briefly the, uh, I guess it was the uh, the meme thing with Oprah and uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel. Other than that, I've been trying to avoid this story like the plague, but I guess the plague has caught up with me and there is no outrunning the plague. So let's go ahead and uh, hear a couple pull quotes to cover this one. The Queen is to appoint a diversity czar to modernize the monarchy the Mail on Sunday can reveal. Sources say the proposed move is an acknowledgement that more needs to be done to champion minority rights and follows the explosive claims made by the Duke and Duchess of Sussex of institutional racism. And if that's not enough for you folks, here's one more. As part of a major drive encompassing Buckingham Palace, Clarence House, and Kensington Palace, Aides will undertake a listen-and-learn exercise, good God, over the coming weeks, which will involve speaking to a range of businesses and individuals about how the monarchy can improve representation. Plans seen by this newspaper detail how the palace will seek independent views to help assess and improve the approach to diversity, including ethnic minorities, the disabled, and, uh uh-oh, the gay and trans communities. (laughs) Oh, mercy. White boy Malcolm X, guess what? Buckingham Palace is not only going to have the queen, but the queen is going to have a lot of queens running around there. I work for the queen. No, I work for the queen. I'm the head queen. (laughs) She is going to have to take that scepter and beat those queens down. She'll be like, bitches, I am the queen around here. Uh, You go get them, Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth there. You got to show them how it is done. Man, I tell you what, though, folks. I kind of feel bad for the queen. I do. I, I like the queen, of course, because she's the queen. But I just, I, I feel bad for her in this situation. I mean, in a sense, it's a hostage situation, right? It kind of reminds me, and I am old enough to remember Diana. And she's dealing with someone who is pretty media savvy. I have to give uh, Meghan Merkel credit, right? I think she's a complete blooming idiot. 
Now, she's smarter than her husband. I mean, everyone knows that Harry is the dumb one in that relationship, and he is the dumb box of rocks. And again, folks, I apologize if you are a box of rocks out there listening to this podcast, but he is the dumb box of rocks in that whole family. You think Charles is dumb? No. Look at that, son. Harry is the stupid one of all of them. Bless his heart. But yeah, that wife of his, she is extremely media savvy, and she is just, all she needed to do was scream racism and... uh they're bending over just like every, most everyone else does. It's kind of a shame. I'd be like, I would double down. It's like, screw you, lady. <laughs> we are not racist here. I would fight that tooth and nail. But uh, I guess they're being told by their handlers at the firm, as they like to call it. Uh, they're being told to uh, to cower a little bit and go on a listening tour. I can only imagine what kind of dumpster fire that's going to be, listening to people. All they need is to import some of that woke social justice stuff on college campuses these days in the U.S., and they can have a lot of fun over at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Not only will they have a bunch of queens running around there, they can have queens with clipboards running around there looking at anything and everything that they do to make sure that they are in full compliance with uh, all the new and exciting uh, diversity initiatives that are coming to Buckingham Palace. And folks, I can just see a queen with a clipboard running around Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Hi, Your Majesty. I have been sent over here by the Human Resources Department here in Buckingham Palace, and we have a, a little bit of a checklist here. I have my clipboard, and I have my pen here, and so we want to make sure that we're going to check off some things. I just want to make sure that we are hitting the diversity quotas here, so I'm looking around, and your family is very white, and I... I mean, I guess that's okay. I mean, I, I, I guess. But, I mean, we need some minority representation here. So we're just going to start by firing most of your staff because we have some lovely people of different shades of colors. And they're going to be fabulous here. It's going to be wonderful. And I see already that you have lots of initiatives there for hiring queens. But, you know, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that at all. I will keep those queens in check. They'll think they're high princesses, but they will know who the queen is around here. And that's, uh, that's I guess you. <laughs> I guess you have the pretty crown. So. We won't, uh, yeah, anyway, so let's go ahead and uh, we'll tackle this list over time. I just wanted to just do a very brief introductory meeting with you, and uh, we'll make sure that uh, as you go on your listening tour that you and the other white folks in your family, that you uh, you make sure that you follow our rules here because we have to appear to be socially correct here because I know that woman, that Megan woman, she's such a bitch, isn't she? We'll get her at the end, but... Uh, I have the way for us to get through this, so don't you worry about it. Just the more boxes we can check, the more we can laugh in her face. <laughs> Screw you. Anyway, thank you, Your Majesty. Curtsy. <laughs> that is what that is going to look like, folks. Hang in there, Queen Elizabeth. Hopefully, Megan does herself in. I truly believe in karma, so hopefully she does. From CNBC. And I know a lot of you folks are out there going, man. I wish this stupid COVID thing would break already. I am ready to get back to my life. I am ready to get back to the uh, the fun I used to have. And now I'm stuck in my little apartment or stuck in my house or stuck in my parents' house. Or God knows where you are stuck, but you are ready to get back out there. But folks, folks, not everyone wants to get back out or not. They're not ready for it yet. They're like, uh, I like my safe space. I like staying here. So this article from CNBC as the pandemic fades, some Americans are anxious about a return to normal. And this was a, I read the whole thing. I was going to do it in the news pile, but I thought, you know what, I'll just kind of uh, take a little snippet of that to kind of show you what uh, some people are going through. But yeah, not everyone is looking forward to a return to normal. 
And to give you a little flavor of what I'm talking about, these are the first couple of paragraphs from this article, which goes on to document quite a few people who are anxious about returning to the old norm. And I think it will also give you a little flavor of who COVID Karen is these days, because I'm reading this article. I'm like, yeah, I can see all these people being a version of COVID Karen. When David Dudovitz ventured out to get his first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine last week, it was only the fourth time he had left his New York apartment since the pandemic began, and he wasn't going to take any chances. White boy Malcolm X, can you imagine being trapped in a New York City apartment all year? Four times this poor guy went. And he's a young guy. He's like uh, from the picture, I would venture late 20s, early 30s. But he's a young man, so to speak. And I guess he was trapped in his apartment. I guess he was having that all that food delivered and everything else brought up to him. He didn't want to go out. Before heading out, Dudovitz put on his N95 mask, his face shield, and cargo pants with multiple bottles of hand sanitizer in the pocket. So folks, he was like double covered up on his face. And just in case one hand sanitizer, I don't know, failed, <laughs> he had a backup plan. He had a bunch of them in his pockets. When he got to the clinic, he waited outside until they called him in. Once inside, Dudovitz was so worried about catching the coronavirus from the other patients in the lobby that he went to the corner furthest from everyone, took out a plastic shopping bag, and put it over his head as an extra precaution. <laughs> okay there, David. You're going to suffocate, poor guy. <laughs> guy puts a plastic shopping bag over his head. <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh, folks. I know. If you're that paranoid, can you imagine being that paranoid about catching the COVID? Like the COVID isn't going to sneak up in that plastic bag and get you anyway. But yeah, he put it. And the other thing I'm thinking about as I'm reading that article is what is he doing with a plastic bag in New York City? They're illegal. He is carrying around an illegal shopping bag to suffocate himself so he can suffocate instead of catching the COVID. Several people thought I was crazy, Dudovich said, including me, Miller Frost. I was just that terrified. It was just that strong of an anxiety. I just felt like I needed an extra layer. And I feel bad, folks. I really do feel bad for these folks with such anxiety issues over this thing. They have been terrified, thanks to the media on this stuff, where they're just, <laughs> they get any sort of exposure anywhere. They're going to catch the COVID and die from this thing. And he's a young guy. I know there's a uh, there's a medical condition with this one, but uh, Chances are 90-something percent that he would live through it, but he is so terrified he will stay in a tiny shoebox of a New York apartment all year long, and he carries around a plastic bag he can put over his head just in case because he's so terrified of catching this thing. Dudovich said he doesn't think he'll feel comfortable enough to leave his apartment until a figure of authority, such as White House Chief Medical Officer, ah, Dr. Anthony Fauci, announces that the U.S. has finally reached herd immunity. So I guess... The word of Fauci is as good as the word of God. Although, although David, I don't know if I would believe the word of Fauci sometimes. You know, he did, folks, finally admit that he was lying in, I think it was March or April of last year. He called it a noble lie or something like that, where he was lying to people that they didn't need a mask. And he said he lied to people about not needing a mask because he didn't want there to be a shortage of masks for, you know, healthcare professionals and others who would need the mask, the first line responders. But, uh, Yes, I guess he will believe Anthony this time if Anthony says it's okay. It won't be another noble lie. Don't worry about that, David. When Anthony speaks from now on, he's not lying to you at all. Bless this kid's heart locked in his apartment all year. I guess with uh, with an app, you don't really need to go anyway. 
You can have booze delivered to your house in certain states. You can have food brought in, groceries and uh, and meals and all that other stuff. And I guess you can uh, get all your porn or whatever. <laughs> have your sex doll delivered to the apartment and uh, whatever else he does in his apartment locked in there for uh, an entire year. Good God. From the City Journal, Subversive Education. And here's the first paragraph of this article. Last year, the Wake County Public School System, which serves the greater Raleigh, North Carolina area, held an equity-themed teachers' conference with sessions on whiteness, microaggressions, racial mapping, and disrupting texts, encouraging educators to form equity teams in schools and push the new party line, anti-racism. And folks, I have no idea what racial mapping and disrupting texts are, but I do know what a microaggression is. So if you are out there going, Miller, Miller, what exactly is a microaggression? I keep hearing about wokeness and microaggressions, and I'm so terrified I'm going to accidentally do one, and someone's going to call me a racist, and I'm going to get fired and lose my job. What is it? Help me, help me, help me. So folks, a microaggression, let me think about that. It's A microaggression is basically whatever you want to be. Sorry, sorry, it's just a big field of landmines, and you're going to step in one, probably two or three, and you're not even going to know it until you get called into by HR, and they're going to be like, I saw you said something, and, and you're going to get spanked, right? Because that's a microaggression, so I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. So let's say white boy Malcolm X came into my house, and he looked at me, and he's like, oh, night, you like this impression of you? Oh, look at those shoes. They're so nice. They're so you. Right. That could be technically a microaggression. Right. Because he could just be some snitty, bitchy queen making fun of my shoes. Right. <laughs> he may be like middle aged gay men don't know how to wear shoes. Right. Properly like uh, like they should. Right. And so he could that could be a microaggression. Right. Uh, or he could come in and say something like, yes, I'm going to do that exact same impression again. He could be like, well, that outfit looks so good on you. And of course, I'd be like, oh, really? You think so? He'd be like, well, it's nice if you think so. <laughs> Right. That's kind of a microaggression. It's like a, a snitty catty comment or someone perceives it. Right. It could be just a general. Hey, that's a nice outfit you're wearing. But they may interpret that to be like, oh, they're just being sarcastic about what I'm wearing. If they don't like what I'm wearing. They're being nasty. And it's because I'm capital B black or I'm this or I'm that. Right. And they're just going to be like, they're only doing this because they're a racist or a bigot. And they're going to run to HR and go, he was mean to me. And he had a microaggression. You're going to be like, I was just trying to be nice. I was just trying to compliment her. But then you're going to get in trouble. Right. So uh, that is what a microaggression is. It is literally a, uh, a field packed full of landmines. And you will step in one whether you mean to or not. That's why it's a microaggression because the offended, right, they can just make up whatever they want. There is no threshold. There's no easy definition. That's a microaggression. And if you think that's bad enough, you're like, God, Miller, that is exhausting. I'm just terrified now to open my mouth to anyone. That can be seen as a microaggression. Well, they didn't speak to me. They must only not be speaking to me because I'm transgender or I'm this or I'm that. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go to HR and complain. They're microaggression against me. That, (laughs) so you, there's, like I said, folks, it's a no-win situation. But if you think that's bad, you folks with kids out there, you folks who think, ah, oh, you know, I know they're learning some nutty stuff in school, but I know I can just iron that out later, right? They're not always around the teachers, and I can just kind of, okay, fine, they're going to get a little bit of woke education, but I don't want to be called a racist. I don't want to go into school and say, why are you teaching my kid that just because they're white means they're a horrible pig and a degenerate human being? I won't do that. I'm just going to be nice. I'll just kind of tease that out later, right? Listen to this, folks, because if this doesn't set you off, nothing will. Parents, according to the teacher, should be considered an impediment to social justice. When one teacher asked, how do you deal with parent pushback, the answer was clear. Ignore parental concerns and push the ideology of anti-racism directly to students. 
You can't let parents deter you from the work, the teacher said. White parents' children are benefiting from the system of whiteness and are not learning at home about diversity, LGBTQ, race, etc. Therefore, teachers have an obligation to subvert parental wishes and beliefs. Any pushback, the teachers explained, is merely because white parents fear that they are going to lose something and find it hard to let go of power and privilege. So parents out there, screw you. (laughs) Is basically the message from these woke teachers and administrators at your public schools. Screw you. They'll do what they want with your kids. They're going to brainwash them how they want. And when your kids come home and go, Mommy, why are you a racist pig? It's because... (laughs) That is what is going on in your school system. So you parents out there, you know, (laughs) you got your hands full with this one. So good luck. I wish you the best, man. I tell you what, I am so glad. And I'm sure a lot of you out there going, man, I am so glad too. But I am so glad I didn't have kids. (laughs) I am not reproducing because I would go nuts if my kids came home and were like, Daddy, you're a racist and a bigot and a transphobe. I'm like, yes, I already know. I look at my emails. (laughs) Have fun and hang in there, folks. From WPXI News, Hasbro updating Monopoly board games community chest cards. So Woke is coming to Monopoly. And here are a couple pull quotes on that. The iconic board game is receiving a modern makeover with an emphasis on more socially sensitive ideas, Hasbro announced Thursday in a news release. And a few folks are going, Miller, Miller, what are they changing? What are they doing with those community chest cards? Well, folks, I'm getting there. Calm down. Here you go. Hold on. Hasbro is changing all 16 of Monopoly's community chess cards to remove references to beauty contests, stock sales, life insurance policies, and holiday cash, noting in a news release that the game was long overdue for a refresh. And if you folks still don't know what the refreshes are, here you go. If you want, actually, you can actually go vote on these things if you want. It's called MonopolyCommunityChess.com, and you can go there and... you. Things like rescue a puppy or help your neighbors or shop local. I voted for like two or three and I was like, okay, I get the idea of what they're doing with this. So I did not see folks like if uh, reparations were involved. I did not see about student loan forgiveness. I did not see anything about BIPOC safe spaces and collect a hundred bucks or what have you. But uh, yeah, I'm sure it's woke in there if you dig in deep enough. But yeah, monopolycommunitychess.com and you too can vote for your version of woke in Monopoly. This next article, White Boy Malcolm X, I'll tell you what, folks, <laughs> it's from Boston.com. I almost didn't say anything about it because I do a lot of joking about being gay obese. And when I say gay obese, I'm not saying I'm gay and obese. I'm saying I'm gay obese. <laughs> there's obese and then there's gay obese. And I've already explained this 10 times, but gay obese is like, you know, straight dad bod or something like that. It's not obese at all, but it's gay obese because in the gay community, that's obese, right? Because uh, if you're skinny in the straight community, that is like a normal sized gay man. <laughs> that is the normal sized ideal for a gay man. So there's completely different scales. So if you hear me saying gay obese, I'm not telling you I'm gay and obese. I'm telling you I'm gay obese. There's a difference there. <laughs> I have enough shame already, folks. To, don't give me any more. But this is from Boston.com. And this headline, how much weight did we gain during lockdowns? Two pounds a month. Study hints. <laughs> yeah, I wish. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I actually didn't do too bad, I don't think. I, I get on the scale every so often, I'm like, yeah, that ain't too bad, all, all things considered. Soon after the pandemic started over a year ago, Americans started joking about the dreaded quarantine 15, worried that they might gain weight while shut in homes with stockpiles of food, glued to computer screens, and binge-watching Netflix. Now a very small study using objective measures 
weight measurements from Bluetooth-connected smart scales. And I can hear, folks, I can hear hammers across America slamming into their tattletale scales. <laughs> you snitched on me, you little bitch, die! Just bam, 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 bam. No, don't beat up your scale, they're just snitching. It's okay. Suggest that adults under shelter-in-place orders gain more than a half pound every 10 days. That translates to nearly two pounds a month, said Gregory M. Marcus, senior author of the research letter, published Monday in the peer-reviewed JAMA Network Open. Americans who kept up their lockdown habits could easily have gained 20 pounds over the course of a year, he added. So White Boy Malcolm X, how much did you put on? Not much. <laughs> okay, if you say so. Hey, I'm going to go with that too. I Not much. I uh, But I wear the elastic pants now. They're very comfortable. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, maybe I'm sure a couple, but who knows? And I have a scale that doesn't snitch on me. <laughs> that scale is old. It's electronic, but uh, it will not snitch. Speaking of aggravating, since uh, <laughs> if the woke nonsense going on in your kids, uh, you know, high school, elementary school, what have you, is a... Uh, is not enough to push you over the edge. This is from Pink News. Halsey met with outpouring of support after quietly announcing her pronouns are she, they. And there's so much in there. But White Boy Michael Max, do you know who Halsey is? Yeah, I, I know because I have a cheat sheet here. But I, I heard the name, but I was like, I have no idea what this, this chick does, right? I have no idea what, what her talent is, why she's famous. She could just be famous for being famous. But apparently, folks, she is a singer. Of what? I have no idea, but uh, yeah, she is a singer, and here are a couple pull quotes there. Pop star Halsey has thanked fans for their support after suddenly announcing her pronouns as she-they on social media. So folks, I guess two random points (laughs) uh, before I dig into this any further, but uh, first off, you don't really quietly announce anything on social media if you've got like, I don't know, I don't know how many followers this young lady has. 100,000, 200,000, 10 million, 50 million, I have no idea. But you make a little change like that, people are going to notice. So I don't know why she thought she was quietly announcing anything. And then I saw, folks, I saw her special pronouns, right? She, they, right? Normally you have like he, him, she, her, they, them, ziza, right? Those sorts of things were there, at least consistent within the, uh, the specialness, right? But now she has intermixing. She has introduced, folks, Halsey is so special She doesn't have special pronouns, folks. She has to have super special pronouns. (laughs) She has to intermix her funky pronouns, right? She just can't have they, them, right? She's got to now, she's got to move they to the end. So it's she, they, right? Normally it would be they, them or she, her. But now she's like she, they. (laughs) So she is an extra special pain in the ass that you've got to memorize. You can't just say, okay, I know it's not she, her. It must be they, them, right? That's what you, you would default to, or maybe Ziza, whatever. And they got like 10 or 15 of these different options for you, but she's so special. No, she can't have that. She's like, she wakes up, she goes, I'm a pot star, and I need to change my pronouns because I'm just, I'm super special, and I have to be much more special than any other pop star my age. So I am going to intermix my pronouns and confuse the hell out of everyone and make everyone crazy trying to remember them <laughs> because I can do that, right? Because if what happens if you don't acknowledge her pronouns? You're trying to erase me. You're just a bigot and a, and a homophobe. Eh. That's what she's going to do. She's going to throw a fit. And if you think that's bad, folks, <laughs> right? There is always more. There is another pile of crap you have to step in with these sorts of things. But this article, 
listed a lot of different tweets of support because, right, the article says there is an outpouring of support after she does this on social media. And so I am going to read you one of those one of those tweets of support for Halsey. And this is from Rob, and their handle is at Haunting Dyke. <laughs> That's what they call themselves, so I am not using a pejorative against lesbians. Cis people will never understand how validating it feels to have someone like Halsey come out about their pronouns. I've looked up to her for so long to see them open up about something like this is amazing. Amazing. (laughs) White boy Malcolm X, if I am ever that much of a fanboy, do me a favor, take me up to New Hampshire and shoot me. (laughs) Rob, I hate to tell you, if your idol is Halsey, Man, I would uh, I would take this as an opportunity to kind of reexamine where your life is at because I think there are a lot of uh, better options out there for role models than Halsey and Halsey changing their pronouns to uh, to what does she put it she they right I can't even remember them because I like oh crap not only are they funky pronouns they are extra funky pronouns they are super special pronouns um, yeah if that is what uh, gets you motivated and that is like your shining beacon of light and happiness. That someone like Halsey updates her pronouns to she, they. Yeah, I would uh, I would take a look at things like that. <laughs> That's a sign that things are not going well in life. That maybe you're not uh, aspiring to be any better than, I, I don't know, mech. <laughs> mech is about as good as it gets for you, I guess. So bless your heart, Rob. And bless your heart, Halsey. You super special pain in the ass. Like I said in the uh, on the Sunday podcast, a descent in the madness, folks. It is a descent into madness. <laughs> and speaking of which, and our last news quick hit, this is from Study Finds. Viagra may also lengthen a man's lifespan, Swedish study concludes. So the little blue pill will keep you up and it will keep you alive. Taking Viagra, and here are a couple of pull quotes for you folks. Taking Viagra may do more than just benefit a man's love life. A new study finds the erectile dysfunction drug can also help lengthen a patient's lifespan, too. Researchers at the Karolinska Institutet, and I'm assuming that is Swedish for Institute in Sweden, report that men who have survived a heart attack could prolong their life by taking the drug. In fact, the more often they use it, (laughs) you can pop Viagra every day if you want, the lower the risk of another attack. And I guess, White Boy Malcolm X, the only question I have for this is, so let's say, God forbid, folks, I have a heart attack tomorrow. And I'm sure some of you out there are going, yes, please, you hideous transform, <laughs> you hideous bigot, you self-loathing homosexual, you blah, 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 right? So I'm sure some of you out there, but uh, hopefully this doesn't happen to me. But let's say tomorrow I have a heart attack and I am trying to recover and the doctor comes in and gives me this big old prescription of the blue pill, right? He's like, take this, this will help you. I'll be like, uh, what is it? They'll be like, uh, this is Viagra. I'm like, well, doctor, that is the last thing on my mind right now. And you're like, oh, no, no this, will, this will help you live longer. So the question I have, though, White Boy X, is am I going to walk around with a heart on all the time? <laughs> if I'm popping a blue pill for my heart, am I going to have an erection the whole time? Are you be able to spot these people moving forward? All of a sudden, you, you're downtown Boston, right? And you see all these men with hard-ons. You're like, what the hell is going on here? Is there like some OnlyFans video going on? And we know they can't because, hey, on Sunday's podcast, we learned that OnlyFans does not allow you to film stuff and put it on their site if it's in a public place. But anyway, you're going to have all these men walking around with hard-ons all the time. Then they'll be like, well, I unless they're going to get laid right now, I guess it's their heart attack victims. 
and they're trying to stay alive. I guess the old uh, take an aspirin no longer works. You can take a Viagra, too. I guess it's a twofer if you think about it. You can take it in the morning, get get that done with your significant other, or just the hookup from the night before. You're like, ah, one more time before she leaves, right? Or he leaves, or they leave, or whatever funky pronouns they've got. Maybe it's Halsey over at your house, and now you've got to deal with she, they, and all this other crap going on. So, yes, apparently, folks, you can take a Viagra if you've had a heart attack out there. And I don't know what that would do to women, if women can take that as well. But I guess for men, yes, you will have a heart on for the rest of your life, but... You'll get to live a little bit longer. You might look like a weirdo and a pervert. And if you go into a church or a children's store with your heart on, you're probably going to get asked to leave. But, hey, it's, you know, you get to live longer. And that, I guess, is the good thing. I would take my chances with aspirin and forego the Viagra. But, like, okay, some things are just worth dying early for. I just, you know, it's like, okay, take a couple years off my life, but I don't have to walk around with a boner all the time. I, I think I'll go there. I think I'll do that. Okay, our news quick hits are over. And like I said, folks, hopefully this is a shorter podcast. Famous last words is probably going to be an hour, but we only have six stories in the pile. So let's go ahead and dig in. This first one, yes, White by Malcolm X. I already said it. Gay at the front, smoking gun, Florida smoking gun at the back. This one is from Out. Marvel to introduce gay Captain America later this year. So all you nerd queen comic book uh, fanboys out there in your mother's basement. You're eyeing up your sex doll right now. You're doing something. Calm down. I got a good article for you, and then you can defile yourself later. A new Captain America is in town. This year, Marvel is celebrating the 80th anniversary of the first Avenger with a new limited series. Writer Christopher Catwell and artist Dale Eaglesham are teaming up for the United States of Captain America, a new limited series where Captain America's shield has been stolen. Steve Rogers teams up with Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes, and John Walker. I have no idea who they are. I do know who Bucky Barnes is. He's the, uh, I think that's the Winter Soldier. I think that is who Bucky Barnes is. And I know you raging fanboys out there going, it is, it is, shut up. But I don't know who Sam Wilson and John Walker are, who have each been Captain America at some point, that I didn't know, to go on a cross-country road trip to find it. So, (laughs) four Captain Americas in a car. As they make their way around the country, they meet several heroes who were inspired to become local Captain Americas for their own community. So, folks, in this comic book series, you have one Captain America, three former Captain Americas, and they are driving around the country. (laughs) I can see these four queens in a convertible, and they are driving around, and they're like, lo and behold, all across the country are other Captain Americas. (laughs) So, who isn't a Captain America? The first issue of the United States of Captain America has them meeting the Captain America of the Railways, Aaron Fisher, who was, of course, gay. (laughs) Gotta have another queen in the mix. He's introduced in a bonus story written by Josh Trujillo and illustrated by Jan. Whoa, that is a last name. Bazaldua. Sorry, B-A-Z-A-L-D-U-A. So sorry, Jan, I'm not doing that on purpose. Your last name is a tongue twister. Aaron is inspired by the heroes of the queer community. Activists, leaders, and everyday folks pushing for a better life, Trujillo said in a release. So white boy Malcolm X, the heroes of the queer community are not bar stars, I guess. All those raging queens going to those circuit parties, they are not heroes of the queer community. So you queens out there, sucks to be you, you are not it. He stands for the oppressed and the forgotten. I hope his debut story resonates with readers and helps inspire the next generation of heroes. Yes, we have our first twink Captain America. And folks, if you're out there going, a twink Captain America, what the hell is that? And I know the queen's out there going, what? That is crazy, Miller. 
That is so crazy. That's a... What's a Chris... Uh, which which one's that? White Boy Michael Max? Chris Evans. Yeah. So you think of like Captain America. He's like this big muscle stud, right? Because in the Captain America movie, he was like this kind of waifish twink, right? He looked like this little skinny thing. And then he got the Captain America, whatever. I don't know. Was it a shot or something? Exposed to something. It became Captain America, this like beefy stud, right? That is Captain America. But I guess if you don't know what a twink is, a twink is like a younger guy, right? It's like a... Like, I don't know, 20s-ish? I don't know what these twinks are. Late teens, early 20s. If you're really, if you're a teacher in the teacher bait, right, that's it. Your twink is 15 years old. But if for normal people who want to follow the law and not molest children, 18 and above, right, 18 to say, I don't know, mid-20s, depending on how they look, right? But they're very young looking and they're very kind of waifish and skinny. That's a twink, right? That's uh, generally with fake blonde hair. The whole, you know, you, got, you folks get the idea, right? So anyway, that is <laughs> this little pansy boy Captain America is, I guess, what they're, they're talking about here. Bazaldua, again, sorry, Jan, I don't know how to pronounce your name, is thankful for the opportunity to have helped create the character. I really enjoy designing him, and as a transgender person, I am happy to be able to present an openly gay person who admires Captain America and fights against evil to help those who are almost invisible to society. And White Boy Malcolm X, I think I'm a little offended by that. Yes, I am. (laughs) I am a little offended by that, and and no offense to Jan, right? But I thought we had tribalism in America, folks. I mean, we have been reporting on this podcast about how you have to have representation in certain areas, right? So in the in the movie community, now we do have, don't get me wrong, we do have gay for pay, right? So we had the, like, Army Hammer, and (laughs) you knew I was going there, Timothy Chalamet, right? They were playing gay for pay, right? They're straight actors. Uh, One's a real creeper, but that's a different story. But uh, you have straight actors playing gay characters. But for the most part, you know, if you have a lesbian character or a transgender character, you need a lesbian or a transgender to play the part. We had that movie where one of the characters was a handicapped person. So what do they do? The first thing they look for is who's in a wheelchair, right? Because they were like, that was important to them. The authenticity was what was important. And if they could act, hey, that's bonus, but we're going to get the wheelchair first. They're in the wheelchair. Then we're going to get an actress from that, right? Not find a great actress, put her in a wheelchair. Let's get a person in a wheelchair and see if we can make them an actress, right? So that's what we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about here. And so now, folks, you've got a transgender person drawing a gay character. And I think, I don't know. I just, I'm feeling a little butthurt about that. I think that we should have a gay person because she drew a twink. And I'm like, but there's no such thing as a twink Captain America in the first place. So she clearly, she got it, the drawing wrong. She needs to fix that. First of all, you need a muscle stud if you're going to have Captain America. That's what the queens want. They don't want some stupid twink. I know some of you do, but most of you want a, a muscular, studdish Captain America, and you've got a transgender drawing a twink. And so clearly, she is violating our rights here. So we need to get some queen in there to draw some muscle stud in a very tight outfit. See, that's why. I'm Does that make sense? No, okay, I don't think, folks, I really don't give a crap, but uh, yes, I'm just, uh, I'm, Woke Miller cares. Woke Miller does care about these things. It's very, very important that we have representation, and if we're going to have gay characters being drawn, they need to be drawn by gay people. Plus, Jan's name, her last name is really hard to pronounce, and if I could get, uh, you know, some queen doing it, I'm sure they have an easier name to read. Basil Dua added, while I was drawing him, I thought, well, Cap fights against super powerful beings and saves the world almost always. But Aaron helps those who walk alone in the street with problems they face every day. I hope people like the end result! Exclamation point. So I'm assuming this queen, this little twink Captain America is just helping little old ladies walk across the street. Sounds like a lame Captain America to me. Each issue will introduce a new local Captain America, showing off the diversity of the country and the people who step up to be heroes. 
Fisher's episode will release, this is for you fanboys out there, June 2nd. So you got uh, you got a little time to wait. You got uh, just over two months to wait for that. Uh, so sorry. It is as it is. And I hope you queens are happy. You queens that are into twinks, I hope you are happy with that as a choice. I'm waiting for social justice. <laughs> Woke Captain America, White Boy Malcolm X. That is the one that's going to be the most exciting. Speaking of woke, this is from the Washington Free Beacon. Law school dean chastises student body as too white. (laughs) Okay, then. The deans of an Ohio law school chastised their students for being too white after the release of a study ranking the whitest law schools in America, emails obtained by the Washington Free Beacon show. So just on that first paragraph, White Boy Malcolm X, I'm making sure I got this right. So the law school admits all these students who they know are white when they admit them. <laughs> I'm assuming, right? They, uh, it's a college campus, right? So I'm sure they're checking every box they can on every demographic they can. They probably ask them if they're gay or bisexual. What's your, what's your gender? What's your sexual orientation? All those sorts of questions, right? So I'm sure they know they're all white, right? So they're admitting white student after white student after white student after white student. And then they criticize them for being white. <laughs> And I'm sure like, well, that makes total sense. That makes it. Let's go yell at all the white students. Well, you know, you let them in, right? Ah, oh, well, we're, we'll just yell at them anyway. We like to shame white people. It's fun around here. <laughs> Two deans at Case Western Reserve University Law School emailed students Tuesday to alert them of the whitest law schools in America 2021, a study that rates schools based on how inappropriately white their student bodies are. Although Case Western's law school ranked 144 out of 200, making it the second least white law school in the state of Ohio, deans Jessica Berg and Michael Scharf told students they should not be satisfied. In other words, you people suck. (laughs) You suck because you're white. First, we should not be satisfied with the diversity of our student body, even on the measures used in this study, Berg and Scharf said. It does not mean we have to have an equitable number of students who identify as black, Native American, Latinx. Oh, so Berg and Scharf are snooty white liberals, Asian Americans, Pacific Islander, and other underrepresented groups. And you two, not only are they snooty white liberals, folks, but they are liars, 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 liars. Those two are frickin' liars from hell. (laughs) Doesn't mean we want equity here. We don't want just, we don't want equal numbers of everyone. Liar. You white people suck. You're too many of you around here. But it doesn't mean we want to get rid of them. We just, we, no, we just, we're just saying that, you know. (laughs) These two frauds. The percentage of minority students in the school's first-year law classes, however, exceeded the percentage of nationwide minority applicants by 13%. Case Western has increased the percentage of first-year law students who do not identify as white by 11% since 2004, the dean said in the email. So it looks like White Boy Malcolm X, you could go in there and you would not be counted on as white. You would not be lectured to by these two doofuses because you do not identify as white. The Whitest Law Schools in America study was released on March 9th by retired Dayton University law professor Vanelia Randall. And White Boy Malcolm X, guess what color Vanelia Randall is. You are wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's a safe bet. Don't get me wrong, folks. No, she's not a hysterical white liberal. She's actually a capital B black person. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's so hard these days, folks, because you never know. I mean, you just, lately, folks, lately we have had a lot of white people throwing other white people under the bus. But, uh, you know, every so often an article will come out trashing whitey and it is they're not white. <laughs> so this is the case here. Vanelia Randall is capital B black. The study examines the whiteness of America's law school based on their total whiteness score. 
and the excess whiteness of the you got too much white in here ah, of first year law classes compared with the application pool and state demographics. Berg and Scharf, who again, folks, are snooty liberals because they like the word Latinx, said in a joint statement to the Free Beacon that they are hopeful the study will push the law school to take further action. We are committed to diversity and inclusion in all aspects of our law school community, except folks if you are white, and know that we still have work to do in this area, the dean said. This study draws attention to one measure, but its greater impact may be to help reinforce the need for additional conversations and initiatives. And I've said it before, but just what we need, right? More conversations about race because the ones we're having every single freaking day aren't enough. We need to have two a day, three a day, four a day. Race, 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 right? We got to have race in everything at all times. I'll tell you what, though. You folks, if you are out there, if you are enrolled in Case Western Reserve University's law program, you're an idiot. You are a complete blooming idiot if... uh, if this is what you're paying for, and folks, they pay about $54,000 a year for this program in tuition costs. So they're looking at at least $160,000 over three years. I think law schools are three-year programs, so $160,000 is just in tuition. And then you've got books and you've got all this other crap on top of that. So you're probably blowing past $200,000. And I don't know if creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer is going to forgive that much. <laughs> and so your school, folks, is actually... Number 76, if you rank law schools in this country, so they are the 76th top law school, which is nothing, right? It ain't Harvard, it ain't Yale, it ain't Columbia, it ain't uh, Duke, it's not a lot of these top law schools. It is 76th in the country, and if you want to go work at some of the top law firms in the country, and you want to work in some of the top uh, you know, investment houses in the country, they're going to look at your law school and go, where the hell is Case Western Reserve University? <laughs> Where is this dump of a law school that you went to? They're probably not even going to look at your resume. They're going to get that scanned out in the automated applicant tracking system. They're not going to, if you're not in a top school, they don't want to talk to you. So you guys, you folks, you guys, gals, non-binary people there paying, you know, 200K plus to go to law school there and get a brand new spanking law degree. (laughs) You are idiots because your school is more concerned with purging white people out of the program than they are creating a top-notch program for you to learn from. (laughs) You folks, you deans Jessica Berg and Michael Scharf, you two clowns, you know, I would worry a little bit less about going around being snooty white liberals and talking about Latinx. I would worry a little bit less about woke. I would worry a little bit less about how many white students you have. And I would worry a little bit more about teaching the law and making a first notch, a top notch program there for your students. <laughs> you pack of jackasses. Unbelievable white boy Malcolm X. I tell you what, paying for that. You're paying for the privilege. Can you imagine being a white kid there? You're racking up hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans only to be told you suck and we wish you weren't here. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. This, folks, is a trigger warning to one person in the country, and that is to my summit mistress. So, summit mistress, if you are not sitting down, sit down because you're going to want to. I had bad news for you, and there's no other way to say it. This is from page six. This is the New York Post gossip page, and there's just got to rip the band aid off. Here's the headline Orlando Bloom says he and Katy Perry don't have enough sex. I shouldn't laugh, but you think I'm in trouble, White Boy Macamax? I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yes, I, 
I don't want to see that text when she hears this. But anyway, we were, folks, we're already at this dumpster fire. Let's go ahead and dig in. Katy Perry might not be thrilled to hear her fiancé's NSFW. And folks, if you don't know what that is, that's not safe for work. Complaint about their personal lives. Orlando Bloom candidly shared in a new interview with The Guardian that he and the Roar songstress aren't having enough sex, but chalked it up to Perry having given birth in August to their daughter, Daisy Dove. And yes, folks, they named their daughter Daisy Dove. <laughs> well, I'm glad those two are very, very rich because that kid's going to need therapy. How often do you have sex, the reporter asked the Pirates of the Caribbean star. Good God, who asked that in questions, white boy Malcolm X? What the hell? Who would ask that? I, I guess that's reporters these days. <laughs> How often do you have sex? What position do you like? Give us the details. Do you have any video from your, like, your uh, private Instagram account that we can watch so we can report on that too? Good God. Worst case, he answered it. <laughs> I'd be like, how dare you, sir? How dare you? I'm not having any. I'm a middle-aged gay man. We don't have sex. What are you talking about? Not enough. We just had a baby, though, Bloom said. So he's probably in a little bit of trouble. The British actor also said the greatest loves of his life are his sons, Flynn, whom he shares with ex-Miranda Kerr, and his late dog, Mighty, Daisy Dove, and Perry. Mighty died over the summer. Aww. That's sad, white boy Malcolm X. His, uh, his dog died. That would be horrible. After he was ugh, taken by a coyote. And the heartbroken star later honored Mighty with a tattoo of his name on his chest. Here's where it gets interesting, though, White Boy Malcolm X. So if I'm not in enough trouble with the Summit Mistress, this might be... Tell me what you think of this. I lost my poodle, Mighty. Yeah, I... (laughs) Straight men have poodles? (laughs) White Boy Malcolm X said it, I didn't. I was thinking it, don't get me wrong, Summit Mistress, but yes... Apparently, straight men do own poodles. That is kind of a weird... I mean, I feel bad for Mighty. Mighty died, right? But Mighty's got a tattoo. He's got a tattoo of Mighty on his chest now. Um, But yes, Mighty the poodle perished. He was out of my sight for just seven minutes. He went out on an adventure and didn't come back and was taken by a coyote, I think, Bloom 44, told The Guardian. Some queen probably came and stole him in Orlando. Probably like, oh, that is the fabulous poodle. Is anyone around? No, I'm taking that poodle. That's a great poodle. So I like to think a happier story, Orlando. If you didn't find the corpse with the poodle, uh, I would uh, I would think that the, the poodle was stolen by a queen. And therefore, he's in very good hands. <laughs> Don't you worry about a damn thing, Orlando. That dog is well taken care of. It was really awful, really painful. He taught me about love and loyalty and how the connection between living beings can be. And for you folks that have Orlando Bloom as your Hollywood husband, here is a... Oh, wow. You know what a Hollywood husband is, don't you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, so White Boy Macomax, I'm sorry. White Boy Macomax wants me to explain the concept of a Hollywood husband or a Hollywood uh, Hollywood wife. And I don't remember how that got started. It was uh, a friend of mine was like, well, who's your Hollywood husband? And that's basically who would you marry in Hollywood if you could? And I was like, hmm, back in the day, this is quite a while ago, but I'm like, oh, I already had my Hollywood husband. It's Paul Walker, right, back in the day. But Paul Walker passed away, I think he was 40, got in a car wreck and, and perished there. So I am actually a widow of my Hollywood husband. But uh, yeah, that is what a Hollywood husband is. It is your uh, it is your fake Hollywood husband or wife or, I don't know, non-binary person. Like if you wanted to date uh, who was, oh, Sam Smith, <laughs> right? Uh, if you're a queen out there, you'd be like, oh, my Hollywood uh, they is a uh, Sam Smith. Right, so White Boy Malcolm X, who is your Hollywood husband? Russell Crowe from Gladiator. 
Okay, I was going to say, if you got a fat fetish guy. <laughs> I like Russell Crowe, folks. I mean, he's a very good actor. He's an amazing actor. But, uh, yeah, he's put on some weight. But, yes, I can see Russell Crowe from Gladiator. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, didn't age well. Um, but, okay, Russell Crowe from Gladiator. And that, folks, that is a man. <laughs> now that I think about it, that is a man. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X wants a man to do a man's job. He does not want, you know, something else to do a man's job. That's what, <laughs> that's exactly, exactly what that is. Anyway, here we go with the bad news. Perry, who has been in Hawaii with the Lord of the Rings actor and their daughter for at least a month, recently sparked marriage rumors after she was spotted wearing a wedding ring on her left hand. Oh, no. The duo got engaged in February 2019. So, Summit Mistress, if Orlando Bloom was your Hollywood husband, that. That skank took him. <laughs> we'll get you, Katy Perry. We will get you for that. I still cannot believe he answered that question. Why, I'll tell you what, I'd be like, uh, no. And I think Bill Clinton, now that I think about it, I think Bill Clinton was the, uh, he started this because I remember, I think it was like a, some MTV uh, presidential whatever questionnaire, town hall or something like that. And someone asked him boxers or briefs and he answered the question. <laughs> I was like, and there we go. The downfall of society. This is another pink news story. And they were hot this week. I had to pull two stories, one for the uh, news quick hits and one for here. And this is another. Since Summit Mistress came out as super straight, she may want to rethink that. And you folks out there who are like, you know what? I'm super straight, too. I like my uh, my men to have men hardware, and I like my women to have women's hardware, and I like the original hardware, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You are wrong. <laughs> Apparently, you are wrong. Here's this headline. Transphobic trend. And I warned you, people. I warned you. That if you didn't go along with things, if you did not embrace a woman with a penis or a man with a vagina, you were transphobic, right? So if you are a straight man or a lesbian, you're supposed to take the penis. If you don't take it like an, like, like an adult, um, I would say like a man, like a man or a woman or a lesbian, whatever. Um, yeah, you are a transphobe. And uh, me, since I don't want a vagina, I got no use for a damn vagina. And if someone's standing there going, well, I'm a man and I take testosterone, I'll be like, yeah, but you've got a vagina. What am I supposed to do with that? I'm a, I'm a transphobe, right? <laughs> and that's logical, apparently, to uh, all the woke folk out there. Now, to woke Miller, yes, that is perfectly logical, right, folks? And what have I told you as woke Miller? You have to embrace it. Fake it till you make it, right? That is what I've been saying because you do not want an express ticket to the re-education camps. And they're coming. If these woke folk get their way, you're going to be canceled every which way. And then you're going to a re-education camp so you can come out. If you're a straight man and go, nom, 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 nom. I want a woman with a penis. I think that is perfectly fine, right? That is what re-education camp is going to teach you. So if you're a straight man out there, you better learn how to give a good blowjob. <laughs> Anyway, and I, oh, I don't even want to think about a vagina, but uh, yeah, I don't want to lose my lunch just yet. But uh, anyway, here's the headline. Transphobic trend super straight has links to the far right and neo-Nazis. So you folks out there who claim you are super straight, you're a Nazi. <laughs> yes, like uh, everything else is compared to Nazis. You folks out there who just want your Significant other to come with original hardware. You two are also aligned with neo-Nazis. So let's find out more. Super straight, the new transphobic trend that claims refusing to date trans people is a sexual orientation, might have been the handiwork of neo-Nazis. Since a TikTok user declared he is super straight, the term has spread at breakneck speed. A Twitter hashtag, as well as a slew of dedicated accounts, have since been launched, jamming up countless timelines with hatred in the process. 
but Twitter sleuths. And folks, if you need to know what a Twitter sleuth is, that is just a moron probably living in their parents' basement with a lot of time on their hands, have suggested that the hashtag was intentionally created to further fuel the frames of transphobia with ties to 4chan board popular with the alt-right. And folks, I have no idea what 4chan is. I guess it's a message board. I've never been on it. I have no idea how to... Is it 4chan.com? I don't... Crap if I know. According to screenshots from a since-deleted thread on slash poll slash, whatever that is, a board long used as a megaphone by neo-Nazis, users leapt at the chance to spam super straight all across Twitter. The playbook the users described is to red pill Zoomers. To red pill someone, a reference to the Matrix, means to show someone an unpleasant truth. Like, uh, I met this really nice girl and she has a penis, right? So that is kind of an unpleasant truth, but that is not an unpleasant truth if you are woke enough. Use the left's tactics against them, the user continued. Call them bigots for not accepting super straight. Crap post, and they didn't use the word crap. I'll let you all figure that out. On social media and hit mainstream status. Indeed, alt-right users quickly congratulated themselves for making super straight an actual thing, while one 4chan user even beamed with pride as they claimed to have gotten 50 trans users banned from Twitter after posting purposely provocative content on the hashtag. And if you need a little background on super straight, here are a couple quick paragraphs on that. Kyle Royce, a TikTok user with nearly 9 million followers, is the self-described original founder of super straight. His since-deleted video, uploaded 21 February, drew 2 million likes he claimed in a GoFundMe raising funds to cover his monthly bills. Since uploading the video, Royce received an insane amount of backlash and death threats he wrote on the crowdfunder. Royce also alleged he himself took down the original video due to death threats being sent to his mother. Man, you folks in the LGBTQ plus community, all love and roses and kittens and puppies and rainbows, huh? threatening the poor guy's mom. The LGBT plus community has sought to respond with efforts to remind people that super straight is just another word for being transphobic. You folks have been warned again. <laughs> the best I can say. It's the best I can say for right now. Hang in there. I mean, like I said uh, in Sunday's podcast, I hope I live long enough to see the pendulum swing back the other way. But for right now, you know, you got to get used to this. Nutty is uh, Nutty is uh, rampaging, and they have the upper hand right now. We're down to two stories, White Boy Malcolm X. Man, this podcast is going quick. But of course, folks, before we get to our smoking gun story, we have to go back to a college campus because we haven't had enough nutty. You're like, mm, 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 I could really go for some more nutty, crazy college campus stuff. <laughs> Here you go. This is from Campus Reform. College hosts community radical who claims white people must be willing to say... I am a racist. Now that's quite a confessional. Let's find out more. Rocky Mountain College in Billings, Montana hosted community radical Aaron Thompson. A community radical in Billings, Montana. White boy Malcolm X. Good God. I can only imagine what that means. Probably blowing through a yellow light. Maybe uh, not putting a quarter in the meter when you go park somewhere downtown. Maybe putting a recyclable in the regular trash. That is a community radical in a place like Billings, Montana. Good God. That would be not a very uh, high bar to hit, I suppose. On a community video call during which he explained to students that race was created. Listen to this, folks. Race was created by white people. For white people to oppress people of color. Did you know that, white boy Malcolm X? Did you know that white people created whiteness? Well... (laughs) 
You, sir, are an ignoramus. <laughs> no, God did not create white people and black people. <laughs> white people did that, I guess. Uh, man, we can chalk that up as another white accomplishment. We, folks, white people created, uh, we created white people and black people and, uh, I don't know, every shade of brown, <laughs> everything in between. I guess white people created that. Uh, this guy, not only is he a community radical, but he is a complete moron. The event was titled The Good Troublemaker. I would argue the stupid troublemaker, but we will digress and coordinated by the college's diversity and inclusivity task force. In Billings, Montana, I thought that was as lily white as you could get, probably as lily white as Vermont, but I guess they they got a couple people up there to have a diverse, probably a bunch of white liberals. They probably go, oh, let's talk about the Latinx community. <laughs> so doesn't say you have to be capital B black or a Latinx if you're a snooty white liberal. I'm using the correct terminology there. It doesn't say that you have to be that to be on the diversity and inclusivity task force. But uh, up there in, in Montana, I guess uh, it's probably mostly white, liberal white people, which is made up of faculty, staff, and students who have the goal of educating the campus community on topics of diversity and social justice. And folks, what do I tell you when you hear the word justice? Someone's getting screwed by engaging students in critical thought and civil dialogue. So they brought in the community radical Aaron Thompson, who thinks that race was created by white people to engage in critical thought. (laughs) Okay there. Since February is Black History Month, and folks, we celebrated that here on the Miller Frost Show. We celebrated that every podcast, White by Malcolm X, was there because he is fake black. He had his Kenty cloth on. We were double woke, I would say, White by Malcolm X. Would you not agree? Word, exactly. The task force wanted a speaker who could help us explore privilege and the struggle for social justice. RMC chaplain and member of the Diversity and Inclusivity Task Force, Kim Wostate, told Campus Reform. Aaron is one of my professional colleagues. He's been involved in organizing work in the Billings community for over 20 years. So this clown has made it a job of his to go around and cause trouble up in Billings, Montana. Thompson was introduced as a troublemaker and community radical. He began his presentation by addressing the Black Lives Matter protest that took place in Billings in summer 2020 and stated, My biggest fear was that there, you know, there would be a summer of protest and then nothing would happen. And that's still my biggest fear. He adds that he fears, and God, he fears a lot, doesn't he? That not enough people are going to be willing to get in good trouble. Thompson continued to explain his background and his belief that everyone has a right to fairness and equality to living wages, to decent sanitary living conditions, to not be judged by the color of their skin. And I'm sure in parentheses there, they meant to put, except if you are white, (laughs) because you are white, we are going to beat on you all day long. But uh, yes, apparently to not be judged unless you're white by the color of your skin to equal application of the law and claim that he grew up with that sort of white privilege instilled in me, even though I had brown skin. And I'm just not going to touch that. Thompson gave his own definition of racism as a term that involves two components, prejudice and power, but insisted that reverse racism does not exist. Well, Aaron, I think you are doing a pretty damn good job of showing us that it does. You and every other woke folk on those college campuses across the country, you are doing a a smashing good job of showing us just how easy reverse racism can be. The most unpopular statement that he introduced was that to be an anti-racist, white ally, the first thing you have to be willing to admit is that you are a racist. Thompson repeated this claim and stated you have to be willing to say to yourself, I am a racist. Well, Aaron, after you. (laughs) After you, Mr. Racist. 
You, uh, you idiots up at Rocky Mountain College. Bless your hearts. Bless all of your hearts if you think this is uh, doing anyone any good. Although I'm, I'm sure, folks, I am, uh, I'm pretty sure you got a bunch of white liberals up there going, I am a racist. I am a racist. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm such a racist pig. I prop up white privilege and white supremacy and white power, and I'm a horrible person. Ah, give me a whip. I'll whip myself. Ah. I mean, it's not funny, but it kind of is funny. I mean, what else are you going to do? you got to laugh at these folks. That's why I do this podcast, right? I can just laugh at these clowns, which is all they are. They're just fake, woke clowns. <laughs> a lot of them are in it to make bank off of that. Uh, yeah, I'm talking to you, Colin Kaepernick, you fake social justice warrior. <laughs> and all you other folks out there rolling in the dough, getting your woke money. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Okay, folks, this is our last story. I told you, six stories, boom, done. This is our last story. It's a smoking gun story, and it is adult-themed. It's not vulgar, but uh, some of the words I'm using are, uh, they're from a police report, so it's not like obscene profanity and all that kind of stuff, but it uh, does talk about body parts, and if you're sensitive to that and you don't want to hear that, you don't want to hear words uh, like penis or, or what have you, we're done after this story anyway, so if you're just like, oh, I'm just going to blush too much. You might have to get the smelling salts on. I think I'm just going to faint. I would just shut the podcast off. Just call it a day. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be here on Sunday. There. Go. go. You done? Okay. Okay. Those people are gone. Those prudes. <laughs> we'll laugh at them behind their back. But let's go ahead and dig into this. Couple busted for explicit oral encounter. Along with the drunken collegians rampaging across Florida this weekend, a couple in their 40s allegedly engaged in an illicit spring break encounter that ended with their arrest for lewd behavior in public records show. According to police, Grant Mulder, 48, and Lauren Baugh, 41, were spotted Saturday afternoon around 1.45 p.m. trysting in Largo Central Park in Largo, a city in the Tampa Bay area. The couple, cops said, were spotted near a veterans memorial inside the 70-acre park. So they were getting on near the veterans memorial. As detailed in one arrest affidavit, a Largo Police Department officer witnessed Baugh lying on her back with her legs spread apart and her vulva exposed as her boyfriend and co-defendant performed cunnilingus on her. And folks, if you don't know what cunnilingus is, he was performing oral sex. That told you, folks. <laughs> I told you folks that uh, the language is slightly salty here. Although for some of you, are probably like, oh, God, that's the dirty word, you proud. For those unfamiliar with the term, Officer Lawrence Trinka noted in a second affidavit, so one affidavit wasn't enough, that cunnilingus was better known as the union of the mouth with the vulva. Mulder and Baugh, the patrolman reported, were visible to park patrons as well as pedestrians and motorists passing by on a highly trafficked roadway adjacent to the park. The affidavit states that there was an indication of alcohol influence. <laughs> so I don't know if they reeked of it or all the cheap beer cans were spread about among them with regard to both defendants. Mulder, who was known as Buddha, and folks, if you saw his picture, he kind of does look like Buddha, and with Buddha with a... <laughs> A scraggly beard and, uh, a, you know, he looks like one of these uh, drunks down in Key West and Ball were arrested and booked into the county lockup on, of course, misdemeanor counts. Of course, you can uh, perform cunnilingus in a park by the Veterans Memorial, and that is just a misdemeanor in, uh, in Florida. Mulder was charged with lewd and lascivious behavior, while Ball is facing an exposure of sexual organs rap. So they got different charges. 
Because <laughs> I guess she was just laying there going, oh, I'm enjoying this. So she just got uh, the fact that uh, her uh, hardware was out in the open and he was doing <laughs> doing something to her hardware, so he got charged with something different. Bob bonded out of jail early this morning after posting a <laughs> $150 bond. Mulder today entered a no-contest plea and was adjudicated guilty by a judge who fined him $600. <laughs> For doing that in public, but deferred payment for 90 days. So who did you know, White Boy Malcolm X, that uh, you can get charged with something like this and you get a fine and you got a payment plan? <laughs> God. Yeah, you don't have to pay it for 90 days. Interest free, too, I'm sure. <laughs> you folks in Florida, I love you, but you're a hot mess. According to court records, because folks, we got to wind this down with their, uh, their arrest records. Baugh, and if you don't know which one Baugh is, she's the one laying there enjoying it has previously been convicted of burglary, theft, trespassing, possession of an open container. Mulder, or Buddha, (laughs) has an extensive rap sheet that includes convictions for aggravated assault, grand theft, battery, disorderly intoxication, marijuana possession, burglary, and multiple DUI counts, which (laughs) to me, folks, is just a given in the state of Florida. Mulder has served four separate state prison terms, including a five-year stretch that ended in December 2019. In the most recent entry on his Facebook page, posted March 14th, Mulder wrote, Spring break at the beach. (laughs) You can say that again, Buddha. And on that note, folks, because I don't want to repeat any of those words again, on that note, thank you so much for coming by this Wednesday midweek podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am, again, your host, Miller Frost, here as always with white boy Malcolm X. Feel free to shoot me an email. Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com is my email address. And my parlor handle, if you are on that platform, is at MillerFrost. Stop by and say hi one day. But in the meantime, have a great rest of your week, a great start to your weekend. And we will see you back here soon in a couple of days. Take care. (laughs) 